Okay, so I have a would you rather for you guys. Uh, we were watching Barstool sports videos the other day, which are just, they're not entertaining or good, but this made me laugh and I think it'll make you guys laugh. Um, would you rather okay. um, sit on a dick and eat cake or sit on a cake and eat a dick? I'll have the chicken, please. <laughs> uh, I'm, I actually just ate dinner, so I'm not hungry, but thank you for offering. So cake for Michael. Great. Okay. <laughs> You know what? <laughs> John would rather gonna, sit I'm on gonna... a dick and eat a dick. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck the cake. <laughs> John wants to be spit roasted. <laughs> My wish is for more wishes. Uh, <laughs> I yeah, I'll go with I'll go with cock and eating cake. I mean, I, I have been calling Michael uh, Cake Farts Clark for at least two years now, what? so I just really, uh, just really hope it doesn't uh, awaken anything inside of me. <laughs> <laughs> now the question is: Do is it to completion? Well, it, she didn't even say penetration. You just it's... had to sit on a dick. Oh, well, the heart wants what the heart I mean, wants. I mean, what if you're? <laughs> now here's the question: though, If you're eating the dick. Allow me to get Louis C.K. here for the 87th oh time in my life. And by that, my pants are staying on. Asking. Oh. <laughs> Before you even start. Uh, yeah, do you have to actually chew the thing? Are we talking Cannibal of Rotterdam? Like, do I, or can I grill it with some shallots? Like, do I have a little garlic <laughs> butter on the side? Or? <laughs> I think the implication is fellatio. I, I really? Think I don't know. I don't get no implication I think, from I that. Think you have to enjoy uh, it the well, way you would enjoy the cake. So okay, well. so by that extension, do you have to shove the cake up your ass? Yeah. Oh, okay. How do you, how do you eat cake? <laughs> <laughs> Touche. Alas, poor Yurik. I knew him, Fellatio. Uh. And uh, speaking of Fellatio, Heil comes, slingers, and welcome to another nice. diddling installment of the Disinformed Podcast. I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Corona. I mean Courtney. And uh, we're wishing our our fondest farewells to all you fine feathered fuckwits out there that are still breathing out your goddamn mouths. I mean, technically, Courtney and I are both almost exclusively breathing out of our mouths right now, <laughs> and no nostrils are involved. Yes, it's a very fine point. Uh, I'll tell you, it's a it's fucking wild to not be able to use one of your nostrils, like because it's so like. Well, I know your coke habit was starting to really yeah, control your life and social circles, but I mean, I didn't realize it was that bad. Well, one, Courtney, I hope you feel better soon. Thanks. <laughs> I'm sorry that the G dang Republicans, the Republicans, gave you COVID. <laughs> it's frustrating. It was only. A, I don't want to sound all fucking insensitive and shit, but oh, having a <laughs> too late having warning. A, well, it's how I feel of working in the service industry myself is that it just feels like a ticking clock. You know, like mm-hmm. it's just a countdown at this point. So it's unfortunate, but I mean, at least you and your family, like your cultivated family, is smart and vaxxed uh, as much as you possibly could be. So it's not fucked yeah. up. Yeah. You know? I thought we were actually blaming this on the Taco Bell chicken wings. I this thought that was the was a- Those were yeah. pretty good, guys. Were they? <laughs> yes. Huh. From the chef, that's blasphemous. Uh, we tried them on the day they came out, so um, on Insurrection Day, that's how we celebrated, and they <laughs> were surprisingly <laughs> very good and very crispy and juicy mm. and delicious, and now they're gone. 
Wait, they're well, gone? What did you think of the uh, for, Chipotle for Ranch? Uh, I would have preferred it to be more spicy, but that's a personal thing. I thought that it was oh, good. Oh, wow. Wait, wait. It was only a limited release? It was for a week. Michael, get oh, with it. Oh, god damn it. <sighs> uh, Do you plug into anything? No. Like, I'm the troglodyte here, and I knew this. I don't. I knew that they existed, and that was the extent of my knowledge. Okay. Yeah. Well, I can see why you're an educator. <laughs> trying to find uh, Courtney's tweet about it. It made me literally laugh out loud. But no, oh, man, didn't. literally lulled. Oh, man. Anyway. Okay. Sorry. But I sorry, digress. <laughs> uh, speaking of poor education, we are going to be given another desperate dose of Michael this evening. And I will start off the tip of the dick here by saying that I am going to be nice. I'm not going to scream you into submission from the moment we start rolling. Boo. Uh, I am also going to jump on that train because I've desperately been trying to be a friend of his for years now. And I feel like if I'm nice to him for one episode, it'll happen. Oh, I thought you were going to say if I'm nice to him for one episode, he'll stop making episodes. <laughs> no, <laughs> not My true. series arc. I going to say, is that what it's going to take? <laughs> and it started 126 of... episodes ago. Ooh. If only. And uh, on the topic of arcs, I guess we can discuss what we usually do on this show, is we'll delve into random esoteric topics, and in the course of explaining them to one another, we will lie occasionally. It is a lot of fun, and you can think of it as just like another relationship that you're cultivating in your life. It's founded on mistruths. <laughs> But we will not let you leave this episode disinformed. Oh, no, friends. We are going to give you a little denouement at the end of the episode where all of the lies will be explained in situ and you'll get all the context you require. And so with no further ado or delay, not even John's question, which he is politely <laughs> raising a hand to ask, but I still will not allow. <laughs> all right. I'll allow it. This is related to, to Michael before he jumps in. Oh, so it's something he might want to fuck then if it's a relative? <laughs> Yikes. Um, the question that I have for Michael is, how many scheduled tweets do you have, and do they get better? I ran out. <laughs> <laughs> and then after seeing that you two were the only people that responded to them, I was like, you know what? Maybe it's too soon for this. Follow-up <laughs> question. When you scheduled your tweets, did you also use our twitter to engage with other people there was no other that was a no there, were n there was no one else to engage with i used yeah, my you own twitter go on there you have to go <laughs> on in your free time uh, and you have to go be like hey nice tits or like whatever you're looking <laughs> is <at>. that <laughs> is that how you social media yeah, it's, it's how we got married, I guess. Yeah, but I don't know about uh, like, any oh, of his other social. Oh. It's one of my New Year's resolutions is that I want to be want to be better at like the, more tit friendly. More, <laughs> yeah. Listen, we know you got big mommy milkers, and we deserve and we need to see them. Um, Let them puppies no, free. Everybody here's been real nice. Well, that's because you got big jugs. I, I mean, your boobs are huge. I mean, I want to squeeze them. <laughs> I've been trying to be more like engaged in socials that I choose that I enjoy. Like Twitter, I actually have fun with because I went in with a clear like I don't give a fuck. It's like Courtney's approach too. It's like this is where I'm actually just going to be the trash person that I am. Uh huh. Uh, <laughs> and it's going really well. Anyway, Michael, <laughs> I'm not trying to review. I like your tweets, 
but I do. Th- I think that if you actually like managed the account and like not only schedule the tweets but like flirted with people online, that you might have success. Ugh. That that gives me anxiety. <laughs> I'm passing. Shane, have you seen his tweets? Um. So <laughs> I will confess. I'm starting to to change my stance on Twitter slightly just because they're they're banishing individuals who I have no tolerance for. Fair. So after mm-hmm. after we've got Trump and uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene out of the way, like oh, I, they yeah. might they might bring me back around. But uh, I saw the first tweet that Michael put up, <laughs> and then I fell down a rabbit hole of looking at John's Twitter instead. So uh, <laughs> yeah. You're welcome, John. Well, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm terribly sorry I had to see my shame, but I'm glad that we're closer because of it. Yes, yes. So, but uh, yeah, no, I haven't read any of his beyond the first one, and uh, they they don't I, get better. Didn't, didn't let me well, coming back for more. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, let me say, now that I've derailed us uh, again, if you're listening, you should go check out our Twitter. <laughs> And know that Michael is the author of all of those tweets. Even the ones that look like it's just bots for like a year and a half <laughs> every Monday <laughs> saying that we have a new episode. Those are all Michael. Uh-huh. I wish. Uh, there's only so much we can ask of our super fans at this point who we know are the ones who are receptive to instruction and will follow through. And I've already, I have cornered the market on the Facebook communiques with superfan <laughs> Michael. So y'all are going to have to start tilting at other windmills here. Gotcha. Anyway, Michael, keep up the good work. Yeah, come hang out with us on Twitter. I already canceled Michael once. We can do it again. That That is the only time I responded with a tweet in the last five years. <laughs> and this is the one it. who wants to run that social page. I thought it was one of those get-rich-quick schemes that I always have where I'm like, hey, oh remember God. if we just animate some clips? Uh, what other <laughs> stupid ideas that I have? I uh, the stickers. I, am I went out and stickered just... on uh, downtown Phoenix and uh, was rewarded with, I think, four downloads the next day. <laughs> so I was like, all right. <sighs> All of mine got scraped off, so much yeah. like any of my other contributions to polite society, they couldn't be had for long. Same. Same. So, there are three lies. I'm just going to... I've, I've, no, it's great. I've done... Oh, you're still soft-selling your, your topic as though it's a surprise to anyone. Wait, did you tell them to? I'm about to. No! <laughs> I have a lead into it! Anyway. Oh, God. I don't want to... It's, it's so here's short... my joke. No! <laughs> it's written in my script. Let me oh, read it. Yeah, let him read it. I, uh, hey, I'm going to read it. John, my... <laughs> John, if you had to describe my shoulders for someone, what, what would be the adjective that most readily springs to mind? Cold? Cummy? Well, you've missed on both marks there, kids. But <laughs> Broad. <laughs> What did you call Sorry. me? <laughs> you heard me. I you. thought that was me. <laughs> you patriarchy supporting fuck. Harry. I always knew you were a misogynist, Michael. I knew it. That may be the case. Anyway, <laughs> the hamstring so is starting. You get to edit this, so I'm I, just going to keep speaking until you force your way in. Uh, oh. You should uh, be used to that. I've seen your dating profiles. Oh, God. I thought oh I deleted God, I those. Yeah. <laughs> e- Thank you, slow gas leak. Everything has an origin story. 
uh, things don't spring fully formed like Athena from Zeus's head. To me, knowing the origin story is the most important aspect of understanding whatever it is you are trying to investigate. Be it a mm-hmm. creepypasta like Slenderman, uh, an amusement park like Action Park, or a conspiracy theory like QAnon. Understanding mm-hmm. oh, pedophilia. So anyway, we're talking about felching today. Uh-huh. No, that was that was a couple weeks ago. Understanding how something came to be get, uh, gives a better perspective on where the something is going. So furries. Whoa. There are many offensive stereotypes <laughs> of furries, and I cannot think of a single one. I can't, even, I can't think of any stereotypes of furries that is even the slightest bit positive. Uh, I like that everyone's finally gone back to laughing at the joke I made about my shoulders like two minutes ago. Of, <laughs> I said Harry. Well, because I, I, I got it. Harry. It took me a while, but it, I, I got it mid, hey. mid-sentence. Technically, I was right. I said come. I would have never got there. Oh, my God. John, 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 John. <laughs> there are many offensive <laughs> stereotypes of furries, and you listed at least one of them. Uh, being uh, a- I do have a friend who had sex in a Chuck E. Cheese suit at one point, so... That doesn't count. <laughs> oh, my God. So, offensive <laughs> stereotypes of furries. Being a furry is a fetish. All furries wear fursuits, and furry art is strictly pornographic in nature. None of those are true. They're all... And mouse dick tastes like cheese. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, and then also furry conventions or conventions with a large furry presence devolve into destructive orgies. Um, those are just the main ones I Who heard at one. Thought that? Wait, 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 wait! No, no, no! There's it does not end in orgies. That act? No, that was actually something that I had came across while researching DashCon was that there was a bunch of people assuming that these furries that were attending the convention oh, it, were going off to their rooms and making a trash, making trashing them by just having constant orgies. I actually was so paranoid that I had made that comment myself in the script that I actually went through my old DashCon script to check to make sure I wasn't making any of those terrible stereotypes. Thankfully, none of those did. Um, but I can't be sure if I mentioned at one point or another in the episode because I I was only slightly bothered to check the script, not bothered enough to check the actual episode. Uh, okay. Um, what What do you have to tell us, Michael? So... I'm going to talk about the incredibly convoluted history of the furry fandom. Oh, and not your personal proclivities. No. Um, we'll say that this is it's one of those uh, we are in a simulation moments where uh-huh. on Twitter within the past two weeks, I have two mutuals who are furries. What uh, the fuck? Nice. Yeah. So so now like on my feed, because I, I didn't know that Twitter worked this way <laughs> until recently. Like your homepage is actually like the curated. I thought the homepage was literally just people that you follow, but now it's like algorithmically it'll throw in shit based on who follows you and what you follow. And then you can also follow topics, whatever. I'm an old man describing technology, but (laughs) there's a bunch of heroin addled goth girls on your feed. Cocaine addled, meth addled. Sorry. Bloodborne playing goth girls. Oh, (laughs) Uh, so now on my my homepage for the past couple of weeks, I get a random uh, DashCon. Is that what it's called? Michael? Yeah, DashCon. The uh, it, it's Dash. I guess, I guess a con. The Tumblr convention con just happened. Yeah, I guess a con just happened. What about SonicCon? Don't get us started on that. Anyway, sorry. I'm just uh, just really took me off guard because that lined up so so perfectly. Well, I'm I'm glad to give you paranoia. 
And Thank speaking you. of furries and bronies, we'll get to Rainbow Dash Con here in a moment. But. <laughs> nice. That's one for Michael. I, I have mentioned before that I was uh, an ex-brony, so there you go. A reformed brony, thank you. <laughs> I stopped watching after season three, or season two, that's oh. what it was, because I used to watch it in my college dorm with a bunch of other people. But oh, I have geez. since kicked the habit. Before we actually get into the furry fandom and how they got here, uh, I want to describe what furries are and try to move our many misconceptions in preparation for our deep dive. Um, I'm also stating for the record that I am not a furry, nor do I frequently <laughs> engage with those who participate in the furry fandom. So this Whoa. episode's perspective is one from the outside. So if I make an oopsie or do not properly represent those who are part of the furry fandom, then I am exceedingly sorry, and you can leave a comment or review tearing me a new asshole. I'll probably deserve oh. it. Yeah, I wrote in a call to action. your new marketing strategy is yeah. trying to incite people to violence against us. Cancel me, daddy. <laughs> Speaking of the furry fandom, that refers to fans of the furry genre of literature, art, and entertainment. The furry... I thought it was a radio thing from the 40s. Uh, it started as that. Prepare uh, the furry phantom. Uh, I stopped listening to those. They scared me. The furry genre is based on the idea of fantasy animal characters. It's not so much a genre like sci-fi or spaghetti westerns, but closer to a meta-genre in that works from other genres can be considered relative to the furry genre, providing there is a fantasy animal character in it. Outside the fandom, the term most commonly used is anthropomorph... God damn it. Oh, Anthropomorph... This is going to be a terrible episode. I use this word a lot. Anthropomorphic. Okay. Derived from the Greek anthroposmorphe, uh, which I can't speak Greek, so that's how I'm pronouncing it. Literally meaning not fully. Bullshit. Yeah, it's derived from anthros, anthroposmorph. Probably the E is silent. I don't know. Anthroposmorph? No, anthropos, one word, morph. One word. Well, well, why are you morphing the anthropos? Well, it actually means not fully human, but can also translate to behaviorally but not physically human. So things that have that have humanistic humanistic behaviors, but not necessarily what? humanistic traits. Would you say that they might be more human than human? <laughs> no, because then they would be <laughs> above human. That, they they that wouldn't be. I, I know the reference. <laughs> I was more wanna... confounded by the fact that, you know, why do we keep doing it doggy style then? <laughs> okay, okay. I'm putting on my serious face. I, could, I didn't know how to react to that. I couldn't think of a response. <laughs> I'm putting on my serious face because we should just hear Michael out. And this is something I know nothing about. And I shouldn't have any judgments until after he's done telling me about yeah, it. Yeah, considering it's that all Greek I, to me. Considering I said furries and you're like, oh, yeah, I mentioned come earlier. And <laughs> like, oh, you're you're letting your you're letting your he stereotype wants to show. fuck animals. We've Literally. talked about this. <sighs> that is true. Never said that in my life. Now, for John's case, uh, to be a furry and be associated with the furry fandom does not mean that a you must own and wear a fur suit, and b your association with the fandom be for sexual purposes. In fact, both of these aspects um, of the furry fandom are very minor. Not a lot of people do them. Miners? 
<laughs> I thought we weren't talking about pederasty. This that was a, a previous episode. Day. Oh no. <sighs> Guys, I've had too much cold medicine for this. Oh god. <laughs> oh, your story of my life. Huh? Oh my sake. <laughs> you and Lil Wayne partying today, huh? Oh god. Man, I ate like seven mojito jelly beans before I got on this call. <laughs> so I'm toe up from the flow up. <laughs> You're like cracked out right now. I can see the twitching. Uh, mm-hmm. According to a page on Wikifur, which is an actual website and a lot of my sources came from, um, oh. only 15 to 20% of those within the fandom consider themselves fursuiters or those that wear a full or partial fursuit at conventions. But, but how big is the community? So what is the number? Oh, like that's 20%, a... 20% is a... Could be quite a lot of people depending <laughs> it's on the, kind of vague. that. That's an interesting question. That's not something that I saw, but I also wasn't looking for like demographics or like st- population statistics or of furries or, or, or that sort of well, thing. You keep talking. Um, I would say that <laughs> a lot of furry conventions typically, um, this is spitballing here, have in the tens of thousands at most. But I also, uh, that's just me trying to recount from the 37 sources that i have for this pay for this uh are you you ready for a quick quick fact here sure give it to me uh cnn in uh, 2018 and 2019 said there's about a hundred thousand to one million people in the furry fandom okay i i like that it's a nice clean number and very generalized well let's dirty it up (laughs) anyway genitalize it uh, just like the idea of the vocal minority, those who wear fursuits, I'm going to cut that. Just like the idea of <laughs> No, you of have the, to keep all your animal sounds in. Oh, that's fine. I can I'm keep that in. I'm glad you edit somewhere. Just like the idea of the vocal minority, those who wear fursuits stand out immediately. If you've ever been to a normal convention, as I have, Whoa. not specifically a furry convention, but just any convention in particular... Uh, there will there are thousands upon thousands of people there, but you might only see a couple dozen fursuits. These couple of dozen stand out like a sore thumb, especially if it's a group of friends traveling together. Or a herd, if you will. They do move in herds. <laughs> Regarding the most offensive fandom stereotype, in my oh, opinion, shit. some early coverage of the furry fandom focused on those who would roleplay particularly sexual role play. Um, mm-hmm. In particular, one article titled Pleasures of the Fur, uh, published in the March 2001 issue of Vanity Fair, interviewed several people attending Midwest Fur Fest. And to be honest, and this was my first reaction upon reading said article, it reads like a comet, a comic, comic, wow, a comet, Jesus a comet did you just have a fucking i am having the worst stroke right now it reads like so much better about last week it reads like a comedian (laughs) oh yeah if you ever need an ego boost just listen to one of my episodes where i'm just like no i meant for crying because i'm about to do it again oh got it it reads like a comedian making gay jokes in the 80s and 90s that was my first like interpretation of this article The author clearly doesn't understand the motivations of those who he interviewed, nor does he care to try. Let me read a paragraph from the article to show you what I mean. Can you? Yes, and I will try my best. Bullshit. (laughs) 
You got me. I'm not going to try. <laughs> Welcome to the Midwest Fur Fest. Here are a number of furries, people whose interest in animal character go animal characters goes further than an appreciation of Lion King, are gathering together. At 7.30 p.m. near the front desk, three men known as Pack Rat, Rob Fox, and Zen Wolf are scratching each other's backs, grooming each other like macaws, macaques, sorry, in a zoo. Scritching, they call it. I am tempted to turn around and run. Instead, I find myself talking with Keith Dickinson, a self-described computer geek. Not long ago, this man was so depressed he could barely bring himself to go to the grocery store. And then it hit him. He started to believe that, somewhere deep down, he was actually a polar bear. And the the whole article reads like that. Yes. Does it say Courtney? macaques? Yes. Like the monkeys? Like the monkeys. That's I, not what you said. Macaques, you said macaques. Macaques. You said macaques. And that's, that that's very, very different. I'm I'll be afraid like, of macaques. That's, <laughs> I don't that know how to pronounce like a written words, okay? and Michael joke. That's what it sounded like. It sounded like you Be careful, because the undercock <laughs> will get you every time. <laughs> I'm, I'm top cocks here. <laughs> this is some top cocks. of the cock to you. <laughs> I'm going to chunk on my cocks. Is this, oh! is this what you wanted today, Michael? A, a podcast host that could face you on any battleground? I mean, chunking my cocks. <laughs> yes. I'm a cock in here. I'm a cock this is something like ch- chunkin' macaques sounds like the you know person who does like uh, the weather report on KTVK this month. It's gonna and kick it over to chunkin' macaques who has a street side report. Like, yes, it's very blustery out here. It's cold. Back to you, Michael. It's This is something that you see with many fandoms, wherein the more vocal elements of the fandom are disproportionately associated with the fandom as a whole. Uh, this occurs frequently with massively popular fandoms, wherein the actions of a minority are assumed to be the actions of all fans. And then I list a couple of fandoms, like the Rick and Morty fandom. And not all fans rushed to McDonald's and screamed about Szechuan sauce when it was released. <sighs> The Homestuck. I sure as hell didn't. I'd even Bullshit. really care that they were doing Szechuan sauce. I'm like, I don't need to go back in the 90s and have some like rubbery, can't believe it is chicken dipped in some nasty ass sh- sauce. Courtney, anyway. what is uh, the Japanese fried chicken? They have a name for it. It's like twice. Like. It's like, it's like twice fried. Like karage. Double... Yeah. That's what we had in Seattle. It's the best thing I've ever <laughs> fucking have, had, and I can't stop thinking about it. So oh, it's easy. I'll place... teach you how to make it. Yeah, you just never, fry I'll the chicken once, and then you take it out, and then you fry it again, right? No. Oh. But if there, if you so know we need the uh, riddle out today, apparently. If you know a restaurant or know a place that'll, that does it in, locally, we should go. Okay. 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 Cool. So what you say is you want the macaques again. Oh, I want double. I want double cocked. Okay, fakakta. Fakakta. Anyway, cut that. <laughs> nah, nah. Uh, Fry it effort. twice. Yeah. Just gonna replay it twice. 
or I'm going to just make it sound deep fried. Anyway, the Homestuck fandom. As a Homestuck fan, I never painted my whole body gray and spit into buckets as a sex act. To explain why spitting into buckets was a sex act would be a whole episode in its own right that deals with the fandom and misconceptions about the fandom itself. I don't even know what the hell you're talking about, yeah, What Michael. are you talking Homestuck about? Homestuck is a webcomic that was produced between 2009 and I think 2016 was when it ended. No, 2017. Um, it was one of the first massive uh fandoms that kind of like erupted in that in the 2010s and a lot of characters in that uh were they were called trolls and they were gray skinned with candy corn horns and so people would dress up as them at conventions where they would paint their whole bodies gray and then attach like candy color candy corn colored horns on top of their heads but as a joke, John posted something in the chat. I'm not going to look at it. As a, it's a link to the the images of the comic characters you're describing. Oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, um, it wasn't furries, I'm afraid. No, okay. but as a joke, the author of the web comic described um, because people kept asking about troll reproduction, and he said that it involves buckets. Um, and what? so there was a particularly Mm-mm. nasty video that's that came about when the fandom was at its height where a bu- where a group of I think 12 or so people that were dressed up in the full gray body paint and wearing the horns went to like a olive garden or something like that and produced a bucket and people just started passing it around and spitting in it very disgusting now we discovered go ahead John oh. sorry I was going to say my brother-in-law I guess when he was in college had this drinking game called uh bucket or fuck it and that sounds kind of similar to what you're describing except his was booze and yours is human saliva yeah they don't drink was, it as far as i'm aware but they just oh, just the act of doing it is i was gonna say we uh we can get around all the other conspiracy theories right now and just say i think we figured out how covid started <laughs> yeah true that bucket or fuck it over it your brother said <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> roll tide uh, and then another fandom that I mentioned um, in a previous episode was the Super Hulock fandom, which are fans of Supernatural, Doctor Who, and Sherlock. Uh, they have a, uh, they are known to be particularly vicious, especially if you give the slightest bit of criti- criticism of any of those shows. Um, mm. And I even at one point, I think it was the Dashcon episode, mentioned that as a stereotype. You definitely have lived up to the general understanding that we're going for esoterica here. Almost certainly. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah we're mm-hmm. swimming in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't want to hear about, you know, interesting things like pugs, right? Or or, or very popular bands like Slipknot or... I mean, yeah. we don't, but our listeners might. Oh, they probably uh, if do. If our numbers indicate anything. <laughs> oh, they love pugs. They don't like ginger though. <laughs> I, I don't know why. who does, Michael. <laughs> I just like knowing things. It's it's great. I just like learning new things. You know what, Michael? Are you an exhibitionist? I... Is this your kink? No, I mean I'm interested in learning what other people's kinks are because you... I'm bland as shit, and knowing how other people tick is interesting to me. Reminder that we're all we all promise to be nicer to Michael today. <laughs> I didn't say so anything. I'm gonna give you a compliment. 
and that is that because of you, I feel less Stupid. ashamed of my Google search history. <laughs> Okay. Well, and allow yes, me to I counterbalance. Feel less stupid. Thanks. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say, allow me to counterbalance by saying the only exhibit that Michael is aware of is the guy that pimped his ride that one time. Yo, dog. I heard you like cars, so I put a car in your car so you can drive while you drive. Anyways, now that we know a bit more about the furry fandom and the gross misconceptions Fuck. therein, let's see how it got started. This section, because I feel like I should just name them now instead of saying, oh, let me tell you about it. Uh, anthropomorphic hey, characters in my Disney? <laughs> anthropomorphic. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> it doesn't, it doesn't help that every time you mispronounce something, you do the pouty face that Hector in Breaking Bad does. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, anthropomorphic. Anthropomorphizing. Animals have been a part of human art for most of recorded history. Our story begins much later than that. Scholars of the furry fandom disagree on when furry history truly started, as the genre of talking animals is so broad that it can be difficult to argue what works directly or indirectly contributed to the formation of the furry fandom. Mm Mm-hmm. One source cites the literature of the late 1800s as the start, mentioning traditional literature like Lewis Carroll's Alice's Adventures in Wonderland, Beatrix Potter's uh, illustrated children's books like The Tale of Peter Rabbit, uh, Rudyard Kipling's The Jungle Book, H.G. Uh, Wells' Rudyard? Rudy, Rudyard? I don't know. It's Rudyard, yeah. What? Rud- it's one, like one of those, like, Roald. Rudyard, I can never pronounce his, his name. And I just, it, Hello, it, Mr. Rudyard. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Jungle Book. <laughs> Rudyard, motherfucker. H.G. Um, <laughs> Wells is the island of Dr. Moreau, as well as others. Uh, one series that was crucial to the early lexicon was called Funny Animals by Palmer Cox. Uh, prior to the 1980s, the fandom was called funny the funny animals fandom and not furry fandom which is why for most of this episode excuse me i refer to funny animals instead of furries so why do we get back to macaques again <laughs> uh we won't uh michael is the um argument over the history of when furries started a lie because it clearly started with the snake from the bible no i uh, uh, you're talking about the subset scalies which i'm not talking about <laughs> oh, no yeah, there's subsects, subsets of of furry fandom. <laughs> you mean the shit has layers, dog? Oh yeah, man. That's why we have two cocks. I you got know, you I got get 37 sources, man. I I know Good my night. stuff now. In a row? In a row. In this economy? No, it's not a lie. Uh there Can is a lot the... of debate between what what is considered the start um, but I like going with more traditional, older traditional literature as kind of the more start because a lot of people have been exposed to it as opposed to the more esoteric things that I'll be covering in a moment. Okay. Um, another source argues that the history, well, not this esoteric, it gets esoteric later because I didn't want people calling me out saying that Mickey Mouse is esoteric. Another source <laughs> argues that the history began with the newspaper comics and animated cartoons of the 1910s and the 1920s with funny animals like Felix the Cat, Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, and Mickey Mouse. 
I personally feel this is a more accurate start as organized clubs arose during this era, like the Mickey Mouse Club, which was a commercial enterprise started by the Walt Disney Company Mm -hmm. in 1930. Based out of movie theaters, these clubs were created primarily to increase the theatrical cartoon character's popularity, and since we're talking corporations here, to use that increased popularity to sell more children's merchandise. By 1932, there were a million club members and remained popular among children until the Walt Disney Company began to phase it out only three years later. Um, It is important to note here that all the cartoons, comics, that sort of thing are specifically targeted at children. So if you are an older adult or an older, like a teen or something that was still trying to enjoy funny animals, you Unless you wanted to read children's stuff, you were kind of out of options. Now, the next the next section is, air quotes, adult cartoons, and then I was supposed to wink at the camera for the audio medium. Go ahead. It, yep, do it. Wink. There Look we go. Into I the winked. actual camera. Yes. Straight into the camera. There we go. There you go. <laughs> Why'd you have to cross your eyes first? <laughs> I had to stare at the camera and the act of doing so crossed my eyes. <laughs> I thought too hard you're, about it. Cross my eyes and hope to die. <laughs> it wasn't really Bless until the heart. 1960s that fantasy animal stories became more experimental, including concepts and themes less childish in nature. Was that an intentional innuendo there that you said inspermental? No. I said experimental. Experimental. Uh, I, I meant that. Yes. I meant experimental. Yeah. Well, you said no. You said ex. You. I screwed up when I was making fun of you. So fuck me. <laughs> yeah. I said a you, word. You right. said you said experimental. Oh, and damn it! That, I thought we were bringing the ejaculate in already. No, there's no ejaculate. Pun not intended. <laughs> sorry, oh, John, really? Just you leave the finish? episode now. Just leave the episode now. There's no ejaculate. The hell is the point then? <laughs> uh, <laughs> bye, John. <laughs> and he's John. Um, however, <laughs> however, this mainly occurred outside the U.S. as censorship codes and rules for media were far stronger in the U.S. compared to other countries such as Japan. Now, while researching this episode, I fell—I almost fell into a larger and overall scarier rabbit hole about media censorship in the 50s and 60s, covering various production codes that restricted what could be aired, published, or filmed. Uh huh. And this isn't even covering Disneyification, wherein Disney would take classic fairy tales like Cinderella or Snow White and simplify them, removing the darker, morally complex aspects of these tales in favor of light, saccharine enjoyment. Isn't Little Mermaid like super, super fucked up? Yes. Yeah. The original story. I think she dies at the end in, in the original. Turns into seafoam, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, oh, I thought she just ate a cake and sat on a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're equivalent. Turning seafoam, sitting on and a dick Michael. eating cake. And Michael's at it, yeah. They're the same a picture. Dick eating cake. <laughs> dick eating cake. Wait, Hi. yeah, that's another variation to the question. Would you rather sit on a dick eating cake or a cake eating oh, no, dick? No. <laughs> well, now I know of two other pieces of fan art that I need to see. Yeah, I'd rather like, eat a dick eating cake and sit on a cake eating dick than the than I, vice versa. It's like, like I'm not eating a... cake at the moment, so I don't count. I the cows like don't very, count uh... if the dick eats it first. <laughs> hey, uh, at Bad Artist Jesse, you got some NSFW prints for us? Good oh, lord. 
Uh, we're going to change our profile picture to that. <laughs> By the way, uh, head cannon, the penises are wearing wizard hats, but like Mickey Mouse wizard hats. Oh, like what? from Fantasia. Okay. Yeah. I love or it. Or actual head cannon where the penises are used as weapons. <laughs> Wait, did you guys watch that documentary I told you to watch? Totally. Nope. Oh, man. I don't even Who am remember I? you telling me this. I will talk about it next week then. Excellent. But it stars a penis superhero comic book, so you all missed out. Sure well, I feel lesser for it then. Lord? <laughs> Lord, Lord, Lord. Satan? Um, one major example that demonstrates the difference in censorship between American television and television in other countries, specifically Japan, was Tezuka Ozamu's I think I pronounced that right. Uh, 1950s manga, 1965 anime, and later 1966 film, Kimba the White Lion. This story follows a young Kimba who inherits his father's animal kingdom after his also white-furred father is captured by humans and killed for said white fur, while Kimba's mother is captured and taken to a zoo by boat while pregnant with Kimba. After Kimba's birth, a massive storm sinks to his ship, and he's the only survivor. He is raised in a nearby human village and returns to his king- kingdom to bring human culture to the animals there. Hilarity ensues, except not really. Adult themes or mature themes found in this Japanese children's show were the idea that racism is bad, as Kimba is picked on for having white fur. Even though in later episodes it is discovered that white lions are genetically superior to other lions, kind of throwing that lesson out the window. No, white lions just make great hair metal (laughs) when the children cry. In fact, the racism in the English dub goes in the opposite direction of saying that it's bad by adding a brand new pro-colonial narration stating that Africa must abandon their original culture of, air quotes, voodoo masks and bongo drums in favor of modern European ideals. Damn. Interestingly enough, this was done to censor a character's death, since death in children's cartoons was not allowed in the U.S. What the The narration occurs while showing a burial site. In the Japanese version, no narration is given. So it's just added. Just added to it. No reason. No rhyme. Um, Another theme. uh, Not everyone can be vegetarian, especially carnivores. (laughs) Kimba creates a new rule that forbids murder, even for food, in an episode. Most carnivores start dying, and Kimba himself hallucinates murdering and eating his friends. (laughs) Bullshit. No, that is a true episode. Uh, in later Ooh. reboots, they don't really address that. He makes a rule that no one's allowed to eat meat, and they never come back to it. Uh, but in the original <laughs> 1965 anime, it happens. Um, later on, Kimba starts a bug farm, thinking, you know, get protein another way. Uh, then changes his mind, reverses Korra, saying even killing bugs is too much. And then one of his human friends invents fake meat. And that's how all carnivores in his animal kingdom eat from here on out. Impossible Whoppers. Yep. Yeah, right. They they pretty much uh, started Impossible uh, Burgers like about 50 years before they became a thing. 
KFC has Impossible Chicken now. You can go get it. I have heard of that, but I've I bet also, the, it's probably limited edition or limited time, and it'll probably be gone before I even think about getting it, just like everything else in my life. So I'm not well, worried about it. I, I have uh, Impossible Chicken Nuggets in my freezer right now, and they are delightful. I'm, oh, yeah, like from the store? Mm-hmm. I'm nice. more yeah, of a I fan agree. of Gardein, that brand, for um, fake chicken. Gross. It's pretty good. I've, I I used to eat it a lot more in the past. But it's uh I I prefer that over impossible. But well, I prefer macaques, but I'm not always allowed to get them. Not in yeah. today's economy. Another theme is sex and reproduction. In the opening of the manga and in later remakes, one of the first scenes shows how Kimba was created. Also, in a sequel, we see Kimba as an adult creating his own offspring. Fucking yes. <laughs> Here's the thing, they're big cats, but why are they doing it doggy style? <laughs> <laughs> the joke's so nice, you said it twice. <laughs> a, uh, another theme is gruesome death. Uh, in one episode, a radioactive satellite crashes in the jungle and slowly starts to kill the animals. Humans arrive to clean up the mess by doing what humans do and killing the sick animals. Uh in the episode, Kimba tries to help a gorilla find her baby. They do, only for the baby gorilla to see its mother shot dead, and then it itself dies from radiation poisoning. Why is there a radioactive satellite? Apparently, people thought it was a good idea to eject radioactive <laughs> matter into space with satellites. I, mm. I don't know. It's a, it's a kid's show. Don't look past Allegedly. it. <laughs> <laughs> Michael, is the so lion's name really Kimba? A... Yes. And there is no really connection me. to Lion King and Simba. There's like most of the things I searched for for American dubs of Kimba the White Lion talked about the conspiracy or the controversy that it was that Lion King stole this from or stole the idea from Kimba. It's not based on it at all. I mean there are only lines and it rhymes. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and exactly. taking the kingdom back, and yeah, there's. Well, no... he didn't have to kill his uncle for it. He just, as far as I'm aware, he kind of just inherited it. He's like, "Hey guys, I'm white furred. Let me in charge." So, damn. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the manga, and late, I think there was a later uh, reboot that also did this. Uh, Kimba sacrifices himself to save the kingdom and bridge the gap between animals and humans. Um, in another remake uh, that was made in the 1980s, a massive war occurs between humans and animals, with most of the characters dying towards the end. So like Game of Thrones style, where these characters that you were following for most of the show just get shot dead, gruesomely killed in various ways. All for kids show in the 60s. Mm. Um, since the U.S. was much more restrictive in what cartoons could do in the 60s, when the anime was aired by NBC later on in 1966, good chunks of the plot were rewritten to make the show sensible for delicate children's ears and eyes, except for that pro-colonial narration about bongo drums. <sighs> to give an idea of what American cartoons were allowing, let's look at one of the most popular cartoons of the 60s, The Flintstones, and see what similar themes it has to Kimba. Um... In typical American fashion, because I, I just wanted to note this, because anytime I read about the Flintstones, I see this. Uh, the first two seasons of the Flintstones 
were sponsored by Winston Cigarettes. Mm-hmm. It was later cut after they realized oh, kids are starting to pick up the habit. I wonder why. Mm-hmm. Hmm. There was also, I didn't see a lot of proof of this, and I didn't look too far for it, but there was also an Anheuser-Busch commercial featuring the Flintstones. <laughs> really? Yeah. I believe it. Yeah, I believe it, too. I mean, if they're sitting around smoking cigarettes, of course they're going to be like, oh, man, I like to kick a you know, kick a cold one with the boys. <sighs> Is that what the kids are saying these days? Yeah. Um, they're saying it the a youths. little bit differently, but pretty close. In the case of racism... Uh, there's mm. at least one scene in the Flintstones with an Asian stereotype running a judo academy with slanted eyes speaking in broken English. So, didn't really point out the racism is bad in this show. Um, while Kimba tried not to harm any animals, either whether by eating them or otherwise, uh, the Flintstones exploited the fuck out of animals. I mean, one of the well-known catchphrases of the show is an animal looking at the camera after it's being used to wash something, run something, and they go, Rah! it's a living. So. Indeed. Uh, in is terms that actually of... the catchphrase is, Rot, it's a living? Yeah, that well, is actually where it came from. Uh, yes, that's how I used usually to a... throw that at Michael. Got it, got it, got it, got it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's usually like a bird or some sort of animal that's doing a menial task. To... Like they have a woolly mammoth as their, uh, what vacuums food off of their plates. So yeah. it has to suck everything, and it'll turn to the camera and do a very, like, it's a laughing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, in terms of sex, aside from one episode that had accidental voyeurism, uh, though the lady was fully clothed, that was something that I saw. I have, like, several sources on just, like, wacky things that happened in the Simps- uh, in the, the Flintstones, not the Simpsons. Um, the closest thing to sex in the show was Fred and Wilma were the first animated couple to share a bed, which I didn't know that. They were the first on TV to share a bed together because in pre- previous like cartoons, in previous live action, um, married couples never slept in the same bed because it was apparently too risque. And then mm-hmm. I also read something about like toilets weren't able to be shown on a lot of early television shows. Um, they weren't taking no shit. No shit. Uh, let's see no here. No pussy. No pussy. No pussy. And... Let's see here. Yeah, and then they while well, they shared a bed and Wilma got pregnant, but they didn't show how it happened and everything happened off screen. Because they had a kid, Pebbles. Um, yeah, he, he put his Bam Bam in her, her Pebbles. Speaking of Bam Bam, uh, the idea of reproduction is explored with Barney and Betty unable to conceive, which I don't remember that, but apparently that was a major theme in the first early couple of seasons. Um, and after they found their son and ad- almost and adopted him bam bam they almost lost him in a case where the his real parents wanted him back and trigger warning for the next 2 minutes um in response to him almost losing his son barney almost committed suicide bullshit no that is true what Appar- the hell apparently they like he got like betty was back at home and learned that she they they could keep bam bam but Barney was nowhere to be seen because he was trying to throw himself off a cliff with a rock attached to him so he would sink into a river. Fred saves I'm, him at the last minute. I'm going to be real with you. I don't remember anything from the cartoons, and I hardly remember the movie, but I remember mo- more of the movie than I do of the cartoons. Oh, what a travesty that is. Hey, John, John Goodman's Goodman? a great actor, yeah. no matter how I bad the I take nothing show. away from John Goodman, but that was a... <laughs> piece of shit but it was our piece of shit i disagree (laughs) he disowns that piece of shit (laughs) michael and i we 
We cut our teeth on it. <laughs> there's, we there's, there's, we were talk. like, we were like, what, four or five when it aired? It aired in like Courtney, the early nineties. Courtney wasn't born. I well, know uh, what pretty pebbles are, guys. Sick. Even if it is my shit, I don't want my nose rubbed in it, okay? <laughs> but hey, 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 if you're out there and you're into it. Not shaming. Accept, I'm just saying my personal you. proclivities, my preferences. We, we accept you. Yes. And then only one death occurred that I could find in the whole show. And it was during a Goldfinger-esque like James Bond parody um, and a random like thug or henchman was killed by the villain of the episode uh which i thought was interesting but other than that there's like no real death in pretty much a lot of cartoons um this censorship is still kind of a thing in a lot more modern works imported from japan uh the show based on a children's card game Yu-Gi-Oh was famously censored in the early aughts removing cleavage and reducing breast sizes and my favorite that I still remember, replacing all handguns in the show to finger guns. No. That is true. Mm-hmm. What? Yeah. yeah. Four kids, the, the production company that uh, made it for American audiences, removed all guns. So anytime you saw people pointing at uh, like the main characters and saying, hey, stop, they originally had guns. Is that where South Park got the idea? Um, to finger bang bang? Re- yeah, finger bang bang. No, when they were riffing on uh, Spielberg and Lucas changing their movies in edits, I think in E.T. they satirically like replaced all the guns with walkie-talkies mm-hmm. in the oh. episode. That sounds like where that would have came from is like that Yu-Gi-Oh thing. It's probably no, based they, on the uh, same idea. I was going to say, they no, they actually did do that, if you're not aware. I'm not aware. Yeah, when they censored E.T., they in the scene where they're trying to stop them from uh, absconding with E.T. at the end of it, there are FBI agents with guns trying to stop them in the original cut, and that was considered to be too violent and possibly traumatic. So when they Star Wars-ified E.T. and cleaned <laughs> wow. things up, they did replace all of the guns that the agents were carrying with walkie-talkies. That actually did happen when they released E.T. Also, the censorship stuff is wild because I've I've been getting a little little bit into anime more than I was before, which wasn't much. And Courtney knows about this because I text her. <laughs> um, but I've been watching uh, a few episodes of Berserk, and there is a scene in Berserk where he's essentially he's escaping from a military camp, and he kidnaps a lieutenant who happens to be a woman, and she he kidnaps her like while she's in the middle of changing, so she turns around and she's naked. But she's just a Barbie doll, like no nipples, no nothing. But like, yeah, I was shows- gonna say uh, <laughs> my whole objection is like I love that this culture is obsessed with large breasts and cleavage, but you can't show nipples in their pornography. Like there's something that's just beyond fucked up in this nonsense. You can't even show a penis. That's why right. the hentai. Yeah, you can't show any penetration at all. Mm-hmm. You can't show anybody's genitals. So it's like, what's the point of this whole act that's why they started hentai because uh, uh octopus tentacles look exactly like a dick according to mm-hmm. people sure yeah. mm-hmm. and courtney's over here going my whole life it's <laughs> a lie well, you know what's funny in regards to censorship uh pokemon did a lot of that and one of the ones that got jonah up until he was an adult was the um in japan they eat a rice ball called an onigiri and, and they in call pokemon it jelly they called it a jelly donut and so when mm-hmm. jonah grew up and found out that it was not a jelly donut it ruined his childhood 
That's fair. <laughs> yeah. I I only keep track of the Digimon. Thank you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. they got a great soundtrack for their first movie. It's what I hear. I recommend it. Speaking of which, have you heard about RJD2? (laughs) Oh, that reminds me. Have you guys ever watched uh, Dead Dead Men? Mad Men. I have watched Dead Men. I've seen it many times, actually. Is that a show? I don't Uh don't know what's popular nowadays. Anyway. What's what's my motivation? What is my motivation? What's my age again? What is my age again? Um, (laughs) What year is it? Is Nixon still president? Etc. Thank you. And now the circle is complete. Yes. Uh, This censorship frustrated many fans of funny animals, and for good reason. Since these shows predated mass production of the video home system, the average fan had no real ability to enjoy the original work as intended, except through a new cultural invention, the fanzine. Now the next section, uh, let's do a Disney, but make it horny as fuck. Uh It's just to give you guys an idea of what we're doing here now. Okay. Now I'm not oh, going to go Bambi. into detail. Oh, Bambi. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> oh. Bam, 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 Bambi. <laughs> oh, Bambi. Thumper, now, get over here. <laughs> Putting your name to use tonight, baby girl. Are you, oh, are you recasting Bambi but with Soprano's characters? <laughs> down. Well, I'm you down fat fuck. <laughs> Hey, Thumper, you fat fuck. (laughs) My name is Baloo. (laughs) Get over here, you fat fuck. Yeah, more like ham sandwich. Get your fat ass over here. (laughs) And Now, I'm not going to go into detail about fanzines, which are short for fan magazines, as that alone would be another episode. However, (laughs) one facet of the fanzine movement uh, that it is important to cover here was the underground comics... Spelled with an X and not a yes. Spelled with an X, not a CS scene. Essentially, the comics scene consisted of independent artists or cartoonists. Cartoonists. <laughs> I saw your X and then I changed cartoonists. the cartoonics. Yes. Everything yes. just cartoonics. has an X now. Uh, of independent artists and cartoonists who focused on subjects that were either heavily restricted or outright banned from mainstream publications by the Comics Code Authority. Aha. Yeah. More on that ah. to come. Mm-hmm. Eventually. Sometime in the next 10 years, hopefully. Yes. Yeah. Uh, while most comics covered counterculture topics like recreational drug use, politics, rock music, and free love, there were several publications centered around funny animals in adult situations. Air Pirates Funnies and Fritz the Cat. Well, technically, Fritz the Cat was featured in multiple comics, but to list them all will easily get us lost in the reads, more so than we are currently. Anyways, Fritz the Cat, uh, a comic strip created by Robert Crumb, featured the eponymous Fritz, a feline con artist who frequently went on wild adventures that sometimes featured sexual escapades. And I'm gonna crumb. Oh, shit, I'm gonna fucking crumb. (laughs) Better than chunking. (laughs) God... Hey, I didn't listen to the end of the episode. Did you? Did you air the crumb edit? Huh? The, uh... <laughs> <laughs> huh? He did. He put, he put chunk in there. Yeah, the yeah, chunk. Yeah, yeah sorry, about it bad. got chunky. Chunk. Um, to quickly list a few of Fritz's wild adventures, he is a pop star in the series Fred the Teenage Girl Pigeon. Uh, he becomes a 
James Bond knockoff and works for the CIA in Fritz the Cat, secret agent for the CIA. And on the other side of the law, Fritz becomes involved with terrorist revolutionaries in Fritz the No Good. He, uh, in that one particular, they mention that he also abuses and does, air quotes, re- reprehensible acts, my words, to one of the group's members' girlfriends. What the hell? Yes. Uh, Fritz the Cat was also made into an X-rated movie in 1972. The directorial, I think I got it, the directorial, did I get it, Shane? Yes, you did, but I don't know why it was dictatorial first. The dictatorial, the dictatorial. It was a dictatorial for sure. This is truly truly a blessed episode. I was going to say. (laughs) This was the first. called the butt. This was the first movie by director Ralph Bakshi, whom you might remember as the director of the 2001 Lord of the Rings trilogy. While the movie... Wait, 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 wait. Wait, what? What? No, that that was low-hanging fruit. That's bullshit. Yeah, that was low-hanging fruit, yeah. Uh, he uh, did do a, a Lord of the Rings, just not that Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Or he did The yeah, Hobbit yeah, the, initially, yeah. Uh, I don't do know. I can't remember if he ones? did The Hobbit, but he did do the animated Lord of the Rings right. uh, in 78. Um, obviously, the 2001 Lord of the Rings uh, trilogy director was Peter Jackson. Jackson. Yeah. <laughs> Can Funnily we uh, try that, a little that. experiment here, Michael? Sure. Everybody turn your camera off. Except Michael. Oh, no. Okay. All right. Now, now see, without the distraction, whether your ADD allows you to read a sentence unimpaired. Okay. Uh, I'll just read that first sentence as a a test. Fritz the Cat was also made into an X-rated movie in 1972. The directorial debut of Ralph Bakshi, whom you might remember as the director of the 2001 Lord of the Rings trilogy. That was an easy lie. That director was Peter Jackson, like I said. However, mm-hmm. Ralph Bakshi did produce the 1978 animated Lord of the Rings movie. Funnily enough, Peter Jackson does dip into furry fandom with Meet the Feebles, mm-hmm. a December 1989 New Zealand feature film described as a hilariously raunchy parody of The Muppet Show. And it's found- disgusting. Yes, it is. is it actually, it is. It's seen. yeah. He has uh, people exploding things. But uh, thank you for <laughs> indulging me. <laughs> What the fuck? <laughs> oh, he was very fond of having things explode back in the day. But uh, interesting. Okay. Uh, so we've proven you you get distracted while we move about, and you look at us, and I think that might be part of your problem with your pronunciation and your inability to finish sentences. Okay. He can well, talk then, right if you don't move. Just just freeze. His freeze. visual acuity is based on movement. Ah! His his speech is based on movement. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, hey, hey! Ian Freeze! <laughs> uh, Michael uh, finds a way. He does. <laughs> While the movie made Fritz popular outside of the comic scene, Robert Crumb disliked how Fritz was portrayed, oh, and in his final story, Fritz the Cat Superstar, a neurotic ex-girlfriend kills Fritz by stabbing him in the back of the head with an ice pick because of Fritz's overt sexism. Like you do. Mm-hmm. It's a good reason. The Air Pirates Funnies was an underground comic consisting of two issues, and only two issues, published by the Air Pirates Collective, a group of cartoonists founded by Dan O'Neill. Named after a gang of Mickey Mouse antagonists in the 1930s, 
the publication was created to be a direct satire of Disney. Dan O'Neill imagined Mickey Mouse as a symbol of conformist hypocrisy in American culture, and thus believed that he and his friends were ripe targets for satire. Mm. And so he satire, was not a fan of steamboats, apparently. No, fuck those. It, it's 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 2022 now. We we don't need steamboats. You hear that, Ricky? No one wants to see you wrestle anymore. Yeah, fuck him. And it's satire- okay. I'm not funny. <laughs> Melissa told me earlier, I'm not funny, so it's, it's, <laughs> oh, no. it's well known. Ouch. Um, and satire, they did give. These cartoonists drew Disney characters and all sorts of adults, uh, adult behaviors, uh, from sex to drug consumption. Uh, the reason they only published two issues was after the second issue, which focused on the Big Bag of Wolf and the Three Little Pigs, um, while attacking Disney's appropriation of European and American folklore, Disney filed a lawsuit against the collective alleging copyright infringement. Now, this lawsuit would take an entire episode to explain, in part because it lasted about nine years, and much of the information regarded said case comes from conflicting memories of those who were sued. Hmm. Eventually, Disney settled, providing the Air Pirates did not infringe Disney's copyrights again. And so, they didn't. How, how convenient. So the next section is called Funny Animals Fandom to Furry Fandom, but like an Animorph book cover. So just picture that, like the Animorph book cover where one a person's transforming into an animal. I had to shelve so many of those goddamn things. <laughs> Why do you have to trigger me like that? The thing is, is that I, I, I actually I, do apologize for that, that you I, have to deal with that. I distinctly remember reading at least like 15 or 20 of those books, and I know that I watched some of the show. But for the life of me, I couldn't tell you a single fucking plot point. That's because it is a super convoluted sci-fi series. I've read that- all 54 of the original books. <laughs> so you're telling me I was almost halfway? N- no, because there's 54 of the actual series, and then there's probably like 10 like full-length novels because like Animorphs was like a kid, like a young adult, like kid's book. So they were only about 100 pages each or so. I can't remember. But they were full-length novels that were like several hundred pages. Um, and they are wild, involving time travel and, and ancient gods fighting each other over computer games, ancient alien races. It's bizarre. I don't even understand it. I, I didn't understand it then. I won't understand it now. But They were written by Philip K. Dick, oddly enough. Oh, yeah. yeah. And that is fact. Mm-hmm. And then I, I, I love the author, who I can't name right now because I can't remember. I loved uh, their work so much that I actually read the next series after they finished Animorphs. Uh, I think it was called Remnants. And it was like a book series about like the Earth, uh, a massive asteroid getting uh, hitting the Earth. And uh, like a couple of dozen people were sent off on a spaceship and hijinks ensued with a lot of people dying. Uh, K.A. Yeah. Applegate. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. While Fritz the Cat and uh, Air Pirates Funnies were influential in their own way, they were constrained to the imaginations of the cartoonists who produced said content. For this fandom, and during the early 70s, it really was turning into a fandom to blossom, there needed to be a more participatory aspect or element for it to be, or for it to spread. Uh, this is me postulating here, but since I had a, I have written a bachelor's thesis regarding fandoms, um, I feel I have. That was my honors thesis to get my first bachelor's. I wrote about fan fiction and time travel. Oh, yes, we know. The other way around. 
I've, we've suffered through it already. Yes. Sure have. Uh, but since I had written a bachelor's thesis regarding fandoms, I feel somewhat more qualified to pontificate than most. I wanted to use that word when I was writing, and I felt really special when I did. I can feel that. <laughs> mm-hmm. In my opinion, there are two major types of fandoms, based on the canonical media surrounding the fandom. The first type is what most people assume fandoms consist of, a centralized fandom, wherein the fandom is centered around a single work or series of works with a specific canon, like a TV show, book series, or cinematic universe. Uh, Some examples, Harry Potter, Star Wars, Star Trek, Rick and Morty, etc. In these fandoms, what constitutes as canon, or what is considered to occur in the work, is determined by either a single person or by a small group of people. Uh, the second type is more participatory, uh, wherein this isn't where this isn't the small group uh, or single person who dictates what counts as canon, uh, if such a thing as canon exists. Uh, decentralized fandoms like the SCP Foundation, which I've mentioned in a previous episode, uh, or aesthetic fandoms like emo scene, goth scene, etc., doesn't have an arbiter of what counts as part of the fandom, and instead the fandom itself determines what is and isn't part of itself. This long explanation gives more depth to the modern-day furry fandom, since it is most certainly a participatory fandom. There isn't some grand furry poobah who dictates what kind of material can be used in fursuits and what species people can identify as. That is actually my new handle, is grand furry poobah, so... (laughs) So use it correctly and use it often. You are the GFP of Indeed. this podcast. And uh, the yet another Flintstones reference. So thank you. Mm-hmm. I actually did not know that it was a Flintstones reference until oh. I looked it up. Well, I didn't remember. It's been years since I watched the Flintstones, but I know the term Grand Poobah because I watched a lot of Flintstones when I was younger. And Indeed. I actually didn't know it was by the Flint. It was it came from the Flintstones until I looked up to see if it was an offensive term or not. <laughs> <laughs> I was it like, does, is this offensive? It, it and then the only reference like I saw of it was yeah. referring to the Flintstones. So I was like, okay, I can use it. It does sound inherently offensive. It it does. It really <laughs> the does. Fuck out of you, fat pooba. <laughs> <laughs> In 1976, an amateur press association called Voody was founded, based out of Minneapolis. Spelled- What's that Voody do? It's spelled V-O-O-T-I-E. Essentially, an Amateur Press Association, or APA, is a self-publication wherein members of the association submit some form of material to a central person or party who then collates the material into a magazine of sorts and then sends out the material back to members. Um, It's vastly different from a fanzine because it, it is not intended to be sold to people outside the membership. Rather, it's meant to be circulated between those who actively contribute to the APA itself. You can't be a member of the association without actively contributing to the APA with in, in some form of content. Not even necessarily money, but just content. Uh, while Voody itself has since ceased to exist, several contributors to the APA created what is considered to be its APA successor, Raul... I'm not going to pronounce this right. Raul Brazel. <laughs> Like, yes, like that, like that, like that, that word, but I can't pronounce ours to save my life. Rar Brazel in 1983. Rar Brazel. Have you ever been to a speech therapist? No, and it shows. Uh, Rar Brazel is still published as of October 2019. 
2018 with its 139th issue. The transition between Voodie and Raul Brazel is considered by the fandom historian Fred Patton to be a crucial evolutionary point between funny animal fandom and furry fandom. So now we're finally getting into the point where it's instead of funny animals, it's now actually considered and called furry. Fred Patton is one of those historian types who is so knowledgeable about his subject because he was there as everything unfolded. In the Los Angeles area, the same Fred Patton uh, created the Cartoon Fantasy Organization, or C-F-O, in 1977 as a club for enthusiasts of Japanese animation. Animation like Kimba the White Lion and another work of Tezuka Omasu, Astro Boy, if if, if anyone has heard of that. Around the same time, the independent comics with a CS, um, the independent comics market experienced a boom, producing such anthropomorphic, I almost got it, characters like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, uh, Albedo, who we'll cover next week, and Omaha the Cat Dancer. Additionally, the early 1980s saw the release of several films of anthropomorphic characters that weren't just for children. These include The Played Dogs, The Last Unicorn, and another callback to another episode, The Secret of Nim. And that is where I'm going to leave you today. We're now starting to see people that enjoy funny animals starting to gather together and contribute and start making their own stuff. Okay, so I object to you using such hurtful terms as funny animals. I'm sorry. They have an alternate lifestyle that is their choice, and I will not sit here and let you disparage them. So, any lies? (laughs) Spoken like a true teacher. (laughs) I can't come up with a response. Let's move on. Fucking do it live. Uh, no, I think we literally got fucking nothing except for Peter Jackson. Yep. Well, that's fine. I, I wanted, I like the idea of having a very easy one. Kind of, I think like the same idea for, for Shane having like an easy, like bone to throw. Uh, so the first <laughs> yeah, my one bone is, is easy. not easy, friend. <laughs> he's just differ. throwing it everywhere. Uh, he's chunking everywhere. Uh, Listen, so that fucking bone came first post, post that hurts the most. Macaques, I throw around. <laughs> bone, no. I draw okay. the line at bone. That's fair. That's fair. I apologize for being insensitive and not addressing that properly. As uh, Michael version 2.0 knows, I need my bones. And today we're sponsored by Bones Coffee. You guys can't see it, but I have a five bag sample pack right behind me of bones. He sure it does. It was not free. Yes. Indeed. <laughs> so. Lots. Oh, man. I got to tell oh. you, since we opened Pandora's box on that, be careful. Uh-oh. Because every single YouTube advertisement you will get <laughs> for like three months will then be the Bones Coffee advertisements, and they are very jarring. Alternatively, yeah. I have a hack for you. Just go premium and don't get ads. Uh, fuck your premium. <laughs> I don't have wife privilege, here. John. <laughs> I can't. It is the I would cancel Netflix in a heartbeat just to have premium YouTube. It's Look at you getting it. surgeries and getting premium YouTube. I can just I say, all baby, the money. You can afford everything. Plastic surgery, YouTube premium. <laughs> I got it. Living Moving the high life up. over here. 
Yeah, you're just kicking some of those cold brews with the boys, as Michael would say. <laughs> cold, cold brews with my boys. Indeed. They're nitro cold brews, just Look to be even what more they pretentious. Have done to my boys. <laughs> <laughs> so he carried this uncomfortable hunk of metal up his ass for years. He died of dysentery. He gave me to watch Michael in one of the lies. <laughs> I was so I wanted to see how far you went with that. <laughs> he'll go all the way. You need to it's, stop it's, him. It's my favorite. <laughs> you need to stop him. He'll, he'll keep going. <laughs> I didn't want him to stop. I wanted it's him documented. to uh, Outside the fandom. Uh, so the first lie. Outside the fandom, the term most commonly used is anthropomorphic, derived from the Greek anthroposmorph. Oh, Courtney uh, even wrinkled her brow at that, too. Literally meaning not fully human, but can translate to behaviorally, or, but not physically human. Uh, it's That's a lie. That's the lie. It doesn't translate as that. It doesn't literally mean that. Uh, it's more direct to that. Uh, anthropos- so the fact that I cut you off in the middle of it and said bullshit did not constitute the lie because you feel you didn't finish <laughs> you the sentence. You were calling bullshit before I said the lie. <laughs> <laughs> You called bullshit on the anthropos. Well, when you edit this and you go back, then we'll be sure to haggle over that later. But I'll just, well, the nice Listen. part is, as the editor, I can just move someone's time up or down. Oh, so, I see. Okay. So uh, I'm going to make Guido shoot first. Uh, sorry, in the in the uh, Star Wars edit. Did you say Guido? You fat fuck. Yeah, I said Guido. <laughs> we call him Guido. You fucking. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> So right. it, that's it disrespectful. Calm down. Calm down. <laughs> anthropomorphic translates to human form. The Greek anthropos anthropos. Try it again. Keep swinging. Swing away, Meryl. Uh, the Greek for anthropomorphic translates to human form. If you can't say your own lie, does it count as a lie? I said it. Can you the lie right the first time? Can you just, instead of any time you attempt to pronounce the word, can you just put a sheep bleeding over it? <laughs> I don't know. No, I'd like a screaming goat. <laughs> 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 so that's a lie. I defined it wrong. It, it isn't defined as that. It just means human form. Okay, cool. Now, yes. the question is, is if a tree falls in the wood and no one is around to hear it, is it a Michael episode? Yes, because no one's around to hear it. Wow, thank you. The second one, um, I'm glad you guys called bullshit on the, on the um, let's see, the racism is bad at some point or something to that effect. Uh, but you miss the sex and reproduction uh, theme, which is a lie. I mentioned that Kimba cre- uh, was created in the first, uh, in the opening scene of the manga and the anime. Uh, and then in a later sequel, he is shown creating his offspring. And, and, and it's funny because we even mentioned how censored sex is in Japanese animation even to this day. Mm-hmm. I'm still wondering why we're doing it doggy style, Michael. <laughs> yeah. yeah, why? I just want to know, yeah. why is it doggy style? Uh, yeah, so it, there, there is no sex at all in, in the show. I can see why you're attracted yeah. to it. Just like me. No sex. <laughs> no pussy. No pussy. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, and you got the last lie with the uh, Ralph Bakshi and Peter Jackson silliness. So, Indeed. There you go. Well, 
Michael, do you at least take solace in the fact that when you're drunk, you at least enunciate better than Ozzy Osbourne? I shudder to... I don't think I do. I think uh, It's a fine point, because I've heard myself several times, and Michael doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about, man. <laughs> See, I understood some of those words. That's already better than me. So... Is he okay. live or dead? Michael episodes have no thread. I can't follow shit. Michael can't pronounce my dick. Well, cock. <laughs> I'm excited for part two. I'm on the edge of my fucking seat. Oh yeah, I'm on the edge of this cake. I'm on the edge also, of this. You can have that cake and eat it too. Indeed, with that attitude, and the listeners hopefully are never going to know. Oh, they're going to know. There's going to be you're going to need to go through my tracks so aggressively because every stop at point you could just hear me going. <gasps> oh, I, that, that happens every time. Honestly, it's you breathe really, right into the mic, and I have to cut that every week. I'm going to warn you, it's exceptionally bad today. <laughs> okay, as long as so, you weren't peeking with your breaths, then I guess that's that's fine. Apparently, John no is the Jeremy Corbell of this episode. Uh. Fucking mouth breather. Easily, easily forgettable and not very liked. You're right. <laughs> Indeed. There you go. Okay. Uh, well, it's just like having the pug episode brought back. It's like Albus on the mic. It's beautiful. Well, Michael, you done good, kid. You had everything to worry about, and uh, I'm not going to disabuse you of that notion. So did uh, Melissa say why I reached out to her with this episode? She sure did. Okay. Why did you was, so, for this episode? I was afraid that it would be very dry and that we would have another um, deep water or deep heavy. Oh, Jesus Christ. Another heavy water episode. So deep. Uh, I, deep. I, why are you asking my girlfriend if it's dry or not? What are you, Ben Shapiro? Oof. <sighs> I deserve that. Stop deserve propositioning that my girlfriend, you sick fuck. We're not even friends on Facebook, so. <laughs> We're not even friends of reality. You still bother me. <laughs> Meanwhile, I mean, <laughs> but we are even... friends on Facebook, so there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you let the wall take... down and he got in. <laughs> take that, you fake fuck. <laughs> Michael, you didn't even take the time to get his address. That's the only other time that I've messaged Melissa outside of responding to memes or her responding to my memes is being like, yo, send me Shane's new address. What's oh. it like? <laughs> I like it's not your address. It's send me Shane's no. address. <laughs> you don't cohabitate or nothing. <laughs> I actually, I think there's there's at least two instances of me hitting her up going, hey, what's your guys' address? I want to send coffee. <laughs> it's only coffee that I need your uh-huh. address for. Yeah, it's important. <laughs> I don't mean to bother you, you it's know, the, uh, or, or chat with you or anything, but can I have like your address? It's Listen, fine. Fuck, fuck you. Fuck your life. What's your address? She, uh, just uh, we, you know, <laughs> we're not living together. <laughs> I'm oh. less alive, so we don't live together. I'm I'm half dead over here. Oh, okay, okay. I, I mean, aren't we all? Mm-hmm. Anyway, after this episode. Uh, I'm just going to keep giving you a complex because I, I, I'm amused by the fact that we're in your head now. Well, it, it wasn't even that. I just wanted to make sure because it, 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 it got into a lot of like detail about things. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to make sure that it was still interesting. The yes, detail. I'm gesturing with my hands. That's part I'm of the I'm gesturing. Michael, Michael, I'm we have junk a- in here. <laughs> I'm junk in here. <laughs> 
Michael, we haven't done this in a long time, and this is no way me trying to just, you know, comprehend after not comprehending. You know, every time you say that, I think you're like, I'm not racist, but. Like, anytime you're like, I don't want to be mean to your work, but. And I'm like, God, there he goes again. let's, Let's say that I'm an idiot, and I read picture books, and I don't comprehend things when you talk. What's your elevator pitch for this episode? <laughs> okay. That's no, that's a fair point. I I honestly liked when you did that like, I don't know, 400,000 episodes ago. I feel so like the- I feel like KFC was easy. I feel like when when we were doing the life and times of Sanders, it was easy to follow 1 2 3 4. What what is your sum up for episode 1 of your your multi-part series? So there's a lot of various cultural elements that fed into the creation of the furry fandom not including just in general anthropomorphized animals. Uh, And then the underground comics movement where pretty much, uh, let me rephrase essentially because you're good. Third floor menswear. I'm getting off. I I have already gotten off. Essentially the furry fandom occurred in the way that it did because a lot of cartoons, most cartoons were targeted for children, even though there was a significant amount of people that enjoyed watching cartoons or and or funny animals in their teens and adults and as adults. So that's essentially where a lot of this idea of the furry fandom came from is people doing it themselves because mainstream media and mainstream cultural works were not doing it for them. So Inception. you're saying it's they're doing it themselves because no one else will do it to them. Yes. Well, if I'm not going to get fucked by a furry animal, I'm going to write about it myself. And this is why Sonic High exists. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I almost scripted that for a fan oh, friction. God. I'm glad you didn't. I'm glad I didn't, too. I'm like, there's no way we would have gotten through this. A, because we would have just given up. B, we would have been (sighs) laughing the times that we tried. And C, it wouldn't have been posted on YouTube. You reminded me. I need need to find... I I screenshotted something because I knew I'd be talking to you guys today. Uh, (laughs) What what we're trying to say is in that synopsis, Michael, is if you could suck any more ass, you'd be a space toilet. True. (laughs) Oh, here we go, Shane. Uh, This is mainly for Shane and... Oh well, and it's and a, not uh, the listeners because this is no. from a yeah. this is from the subreddit r slash lv four twenty six. Oh bless you. So this is a tweet that was screen screen grabbed, and it's an alien synopsis from a Hong Kong bootleg DVD. Uh, so here we go. This is a synopsis. I'm, I'm <laughs> on on the edge of this cake. <laughs> Spaceship people get up from sleeping coffin and have eat. Computer woman find strange noisings on planet, and astronauts go to seeing. Astronauts find a big elephant man who dead then find too many egg. Astronaut is possessed by egg demon, and new egg demon is come when eat bad noodle. <laughs> that sounds like my Friday night. Did they need new to run egg the whole film? Seven seven friends and cat all try to find Egg Demon before a spaceship go home, but is hard working. Who will life to escaping? Who is bad milk blood robot? Who is bad milk 
blood robot. <laughs> Scream not working because space make death. <laughs> 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 it's impossible to get through this race. I am going to actually use that as the tagline for this show going forward. Scream not working because space make death. <laughs> got me good. It, it hits harder when you read it out loud. That's the first yeah. time I actually use my my voice with it. <laughs> Oh, that's phenomenal. Uh. The only other fun thing that I had is I don't remember if you guys... Uh, I don't know if you guys remember one of my favorite horror directors, uh, Ty West. He did The House of the Devil. Mm-hmm. You've mentioned. Well, he was on a seven-year hiatus, and he is coming back with a new movie in March. And icing on top of that is that it's an A24 feature. And it's um, going to be entitled Milk Blood called- Robot. Close. Bad it's called, milk blood robot. It's called X. It's set in 1979, and it is supposed to replicate slashers of that era, and it follows a group of teens who are shooting a pornographic film, and I imagine are systematically hunted. And humpted. So, and if he does anything similar to like House of the Devil, it's going to be shot in that style, so let's hope it looks like Texas Chainsaw the entire time. That's going to be very entertaining. Anyway, that's the random nonsense that I had in my back pocket. I like it. Uh, thank you for breaking me up. That was delightful, and I enjoyed oh it God. more than I should have. Uh, likewise. <laughs> and if you, too, want to be a bad milk blood robot, you can go to all of our socials that are found in the link tree in this description of the show, and you can you can seek us out there and uh, spew nonsense all over us while trying to shove a wrapped-up magazine in our mouths. It'll be fun for the whole family. Sure. Until Yafit Koto hits you with a pipe. <laughs> Ouch. But uh, can we talk about the bonus situation? How do we get oh, all this chicken shit outfit? You check that shit, Hudson. But uh, all right, I think that is going to wrap it up like a rascally rubber around macaques. And I hope that you have all enjoyed another stirring installment of this, The Disinformed Podcast. Of course, we do things on the weekly. You got new episodes winging your way every lovely Monday, so check us out there. If you haven't already subscribed, what's wrong with you? Why can't you commit? Talk to somebody about this, because it's an issue. We are all homebound. You need to have someone to love, and it should be us. Amen. Also, you can rate if you listen on Spotify. You can just give it five stars just to prove Michael wrong. Indeed. Oh, I was like, I think our podcast is five stars. And then I was like, oh, wait, he's talking about my episodes. (laughs) (laughs) We are some. Yeah. Well, oh, so we average out to like three and a half. Well, the scream doesn't work because space make death. Space make death. Indeed. Uh, but, uh, of course, you can also check us out over at TikTok if you want the greatest hits or an elevator synopsis that goes faster than most of Michael's explanations. You can check in there, and we're just hitting record numbers, and we are now fully famous because of our TikTok. So thank you, Courtney. You've done well. Yep, yep. And give us a give us a reason to live. There are some of us who need a little more coaxing than others on that front. A eh, Michael, I was gonna say eh. me. <laughs> 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 He's talking about me. 
I are indeed. Well, thank you all for being here. As always, we appreciate you. Uh, you find feathered fucks more than you know. And we look forward to seeing you again. But for the Disinformed Podcast this week, I'm Shane. I'm John. I'm Michael. I'm Courtney. Keep on chunking and... Zippity zip, we're out of here! <laughs> <laughs>